0: We're joined today by Jay Kinder, a real estate business phenom who's gone from small-town kid to master business growth strategist recognized throughout the real estate industry. Among his many accomplishments, Jay built an impressive real estate brand, positioning him as one of the top 10 Coldwell Banker agents worldwide, Small Business Administration Young Entrepreneur of the Year, Realtor Magazine's 30 Under 30, Wall Street Journal's top 25 agents worldwide. He's also the co-founder of Kinder Reese Real Estate Partners, credited with helping thousands of real estate agents strategically grow their businesses with proven and market-tested business coaching. Jay is also a best-selling co-author of the 2011 business book, Trendsetters. The world's leading experts reveal top trends to help you achieve greater wealth, health, and success and the 2012 bestseller, The New Rise in Real Estate, the nation's trusted real estate advisors reveal their top secrets for buying and selling homes in the new real estate economy. Now, let's welcome Jay to the call as we join our host, Tim Harris.
1: All right, Tim, thank you very much for that great interview. And yes, I think you hit the nail on the head. Jay Kinder is without a doubt one of the industries, I don't know, I'm just so lucky to have someone like Jay on our podcast. Jay and I've known each other for a long, long time. Um, you know, we knew when, we knew each other sporadically when he was selling real estate, when he was forming his coaching business. Yep. And Jay's Jay's one of those people that I've been in contact with consistently for the last I don't even know how long. And every time I've come in contact with him, he's always impressed me. Uh, with how professional he was and really the essence of Jay and I want all of you to listen to listen to this. I'm gonna to try to say something to embarrass him but I bet I won't. <laughs> he has this oh <laughs> he has this oh shucks, Oklahoma, you know, West Texas slang in his voice. And he kind of comes off as just like a guy you'd want to sit on a porch and drink beers and talk about, I don't know, the chicken prices. But he is wicked smart. <laughs> so you got to listen to Jay because really, you don't you don't see him coming. And when you start talking to him, you realize how damn smart he is. So Jay, welcome to today's podcast, and thank you for being my co-host. Hey man, I appreciate
2: the the, the very accurate introduction.
1: <laughs> Has anyone ever said that to you before? Because that really is. Oh your... yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah, I I, I come across uh, a pretty uh, laid back in country. So um, as real
1: as it gets. Yeah, I mean you have like you live on like a little ranch, don't you? Up in uh, like Fresno, Texas, correct?
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, just north of Frisco. Yeah, I live uh, in the country. They don't let me in the city. I uh, found that I don't fit in there very well. <laughs> yeah.
1: Do you have uh, any animals? Uh, not
2: any wild, uh, not any li- livestock. Uh, we've got dogs and cats and the normal, the normal type stuff you would see. My, my neighbors do have fainting goats, which by far is my favorite animal that you could ever have. Um, hysterical!
1: <laughs> oh, the fainting goats! Yes, I've seen those yeah. in, uh, years before. Those are hilarious. Yeah. So let's let's talk about your real estate. You and um, Mike, you guys built a really just kick-ass real estate thing in the uh, business. And the cool thing that you guys did is you did it. You kicked ass in Oklahoma. And then you kicked ass in a totally different market. So, can you just give them like a thumbnail right. sketch of what what you guys have done real estate wise? And I'll tell you why it's important. And don't I know you're a Midwesterner in essence. You're you know in essence the same as me as far as not liking to brag about yourself and right. wanting to be humble and all that, but what I would like for you to do is set that aside so these folks can realize that you're absolutely the real deal, because in this day and age, Jay, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, there are so many fake real estate coaches out there, people who have never sold oh, real estate right. before, you, and it drives me crazy, it drives you crazy, so please let these guys know that what you've done and who you are. Yeah, sure, I appreciate
2: that, Tim. Yeah, so the short story, you know, I got into real estate, you know, 21 years ago, and uh, I was fortunate enough. I bought everybody, anybody that sold anything, I bought it. And I figured out how to, to you know, I, I failed my way to success. Is as, as an easy way to put it. And um, interestingly enough, I was selling a couple hundred homes a year. And I'm um, from a lot in Oklahoma. It's a pretty small town. And uh, Michael Reese, who's my business partner in, in the coaching training business and uh, at EXP, is my business partner as well. And we, you know, he came up to me, we ran into each other at the lake one day, and we're both kind of, you know, lake fanatics, and, and he's, he, you know, I was in a big, you know, go fast boat, I was like 22 years old, he's like, dude, what are you, is this your dad's boat? I was like, no, this is my boat. He said, what do you do? I said, I said, really, we had not seen each other in a few years, we went to college together, uh, but we hadn't, you know, really ran into each other. He ended up quitting, the, you know, quitting his job, gets into real estate, called me every day for like, you know, it felt what felt like a year, we just kind of hit it off, but I'd never had anybody ask me what I did to be successful. And so Mike was asking me, hey, do I, should I do this? Should I do that? Should I do this? And I was just telling him, no, don't do that. That doesn't work. Don't buy that. Just use this. Get this website. And he just did everything I did. And he built his business to a million. Where well, it took me six years to do it, so he did it in three. And we were like, dang, that's really interesting. You know, like, ne- I probably never would have known what to say, you know, that, you know on my path to success. Um, you know, and I, I went on to sell, you know, 531 homes and, uh, I never was number one in my marketplace, um, which is a fact. I was number two in the world for Banker and I was number two in my market. I actually competed against a Remax team that sold seven hundred homes a year, so like I had a really good competitor that that just forced me to level up and my skills in every every possible way. Now, I think the other thing that's interesting about the market in Lawton, Oklahoma, um, and that would probably not be a positive for most people, but because the average sale price was like a hundred and thirty thousand. Um, there was no room in my model, in the business model, for me to make a mistake. I couldn't overpay someone. I couldn't have my splits too aggressive. I had to really nail the business model. And, it, you know, it forced me to do that just because of the average sale price. So, you know, where, you know, most people, um, you know, I have to sell an entire city block in order to do, you know, a million dollars worth of volume for everybody else. Uh, for everybody else, it was, um, you know, a lot easier. So I think that just, you know, made it, um, you know, both of us had, were in the business. We got into coaching as real estate agents so we could tell people, hey, this is what we're doing. These are the results we're getting. And so that's, I think, what really made us real to people and people felt like they could trust the advice we had because we were out there doing it with them.
1: Okay. I'm sure many of you at this point are somewhat curious about eXp. It's something that seems to be on everyone's mind. eXp is obviously one of the fastest growing real estate brokerages in the history of real estate. Um, I'm going to save you the effort of having to do a lot of Googling and a lot of research. We've prepared a video for you. All you have to do is text the word EXP, that's it, just text the word EXP to 31996, go ahead and do that now, text the word EXP, Well, is that a word or are those letters, I think they're letters, just text the letters EXP to 31996 and you're going to be sent a link and you can watch a quick 7 minute video that EXP has provided so that you can get all your questions answered about EXP and take your um you know, decide if you want to pursue the opportunity any further. Seriously, consider texting the word EXP to 31996. You were, uh, if I remember correctly, you were doing a lot of the Craig Proctor stuff originally, right?
2: Yep, yep. He was um, yep. He's one of the many coaches that we paid within the industry. I yep. did Craig Proctor stuff will probably... Oh, gosh, probably from 2000, I was probably doing a couple hundred deals when I went to his first event, and um, it really helped me with, you know, some, some of the more aggressive marketing things that he thought. And just like anything else, there was, you know, for every one thing that worked, there was two or three things that really didn't work for me, um, but, you know, I took a lot of value out of the relationships that I gathered while I was there, and, and um, give a lot of credit to Craig for, for a lot of this early success that I had.
1: Definitely. I mean, Craig was very influential on people in the 90s and into the early 2000s, he, uh I'll say I always will have respect for Craig because he was one of the first guys. Well, he, he I guess he formalized the relationship with Dan Kennedy somehow and was doing a lot of mm-hmm. copywriting yeah. and direct response advertising. And I had a conversation with Craig. Uh, it was like the year after Julie and I sold 100 homes, our first year. And he was so yep. nice. He was so polite. He was so classy. Ryan Searle actually introduced us to him. And um, right. you know the thing that the thing that was really fascinating to me about Craig and I didn't realize it at the time. Was that he? People like him in our industry, and I hope that I can be seen as the same. Julie and I can be the same, and you can be seen as the same. Mm-hmm. We actually did it, practiced it, proved it, and now we're teaching others to do it. That's completely right. different than this huge sea of people that got into business since the seller's market returned, who have never actually sold any, you know, never sold real estate before, and right. really don't. And, and I'm including the tech companies too when I talk about that. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about all these Very companies true. that have emerged since 2007 that. Really, the, you know, these guys, you know, Inman in particular, and all these events, oh, they're, they're championing them. They're going to change the real estate world. Well, no, they're not. Oh, they're really de- like, Look at the huh. iBuyer thing. Okay, look at the right. buyer thing. The buyer thing, dude, is just a rehash of the guaranteed home sale that dates back like 30 freaking years. I, it, right. I mean, people talk about it like it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's been around for decades, but these new agents don't know it. I mean, some of these things, right. they're kind of amazing to see. Right, don't you agree?
2: Yeah, the, the cycles uh, repeat themselves, right? Like It's like everybody you know, that wasn't in the business you know, prior to 2007, does, they don't remember that Help, Help You Sell exploded on the scene and was the number one <laughs> discounter in the country, and they're gone, yep. right? They're gone. What happened to them? In 0708? 8 the, the margins got pretty tight, and they got their, their butts handed to them, and they're gone. So like, you know, that, you know, the better the market gets for the longer period of time, the more risky the model you'll see a, in, the, in the marketplace to try to, you know, to pick up all this volume. Of business, But as soon as the market shifts, it's, that's where you know You can see who's skinny dipping whenever the market shifts.
1: shifts. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely true. And that is fascinating, too, because the, the, these ideas really do repeat themselves. And um, I remember at a Howard Britton event, and this was back in the 90s, there was a big table where all the Howard stars, and Julie and I were Howard stars, where we used to put out all of our marketing crap. And Julie and I got seduced by the marketing crap for a short while. And, and you'd go to these events, and there'd be these agents that would show up with some of the fanciest nicest, most beautiful Hobbs & herder style, just gorgeous stuff. Ridiculously <laughs> yeah. expensive. And I remember right. looking at all this, and Julie and I were feeling like, oh my God, we really got to get our game on. And this guy walks up behind us, and he goes, you can always tell when the market's good, agents don't know how to spend their money. And he turned around and walked away. And the guy that said that was a guy named Jim Duvall, who I later found out, I don't know if you remember that guy, that his wife was an agent, but he was an honest-to-God billionaire. So I established a little informal coaching relationship with that guy. He just called me out of the blue one day. I, I, the back story doesn't matter. But he and I right. started talking, and, he's, and I started learning how he became a billionaire. And one of the first things oh, he wow. said, yeah, what, right? But it wasn't anything that – like if I were to tell you what I remember from those conversations, you'd have heard all of it before. And I guess that's really the bottom line. The tenets to become successful at anything, they never change. And right. um you know, it's all about doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. It's all about learning how. Well, so so let's talk about that. Let's talk about proactive lead generation yeah. versus passive lead generation. What's your stance okay. on that? Um,
2: yeah, pro, proactive. When you when you say proactive, you mean as far as the, the
1: consistency of doing the things, that you're driving the business, generating but. your own business, as opposed to buying it. Yeah, but it, like
2: buying Absolutely. leads from Zillow yeah, would I mean, be
1: passive. Fun. Yeah.
2: Yeah, my, 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 the number one thing that's holding 99% of agents that are out there, and I, when I say 99%, I mean agents that are doing – I don't know the exact number. Or I'm going to guess. You probably tell me. 950,000 agents out of a million are probably doing less than 30 deals a year. Those agents that are doing less than 30 deals a year, if they understood one thing, and that's the principle of how to marketing, use marketing to acquire a customer, instead of paying other people to do that for them, if they learned that one skill, they would break through to the next level. Like that's the one thing, the one skill. There's the sales skills I believe you have to have to go with that, but the marketing skill, the ability to get, turn advertising into profit, is, it's the biggest opportunity in, in, in any industry, too, if you think about it, Tim. Like, we can go out and spend $100 or even $1,000 and acquire a client that's worth $10,000. What kind of return on investment is that compared to any other place you could put your money? In real estate, it is just, it's just a huge opportunity for people who understand marketing to turn, you know, turn those marketing dollars into a, a tremendous return on investment. And uh, the agents that are buying things from Zillow and Realtor.com and letting them do all the marketing um, are not learning the skill set that really is what would set them apart in the
1: market. Shall we have a friendly debate? Sure. Okay. So – Yes, to everything you just said makes perfect sense. And just to underline what you just said, really, if you're not the one that's basically controlling the relationship, if you're relying on getting your leads from Zillow or from any other source, you're just basically the guy at the cash register who's saying, do you want fries with that? And at the end of the day, okay. there's all, most of the agents who have been licensed only since '07, who have, where buying leads has become normalized, they don't know any different, so they have never learned how to proactively lead generate. But I'll suggest, and and I don't, you know, that the idea of even doing marketing for business should not be the primary focus of any agent. And the simple answer is why? It's the the reason why is because it costs money. Learning how to proactively lead generate yourself should be the first thing that every agent does, but it's the last thing that most agents do because it does require time. It does require doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level. It does require you learning how to overcome rejection. It requires you to have real sales skill, whereas if you're only reliant on buying leads through any clever form of marketing... You are always going to be dependent on how long that clever form of marketing, how long that little gimmicky idea is going to work before it stalls sure. out. Then you have to look for a new one. That's so. My sure. premise is, go ahead, let's debate it.
2: No, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I, I, I I happen to agree with what you're saying. And, and and short form, I would say, if I if I understand what you're saying, um, you know, I would definitely say, like my son's 21 years old. Just got into business a year ago. We've me. He, he doesn't like you, by, to you by, by the way. way. Thank you. He's, uh, he's got he's got all the talent. He's got all the talent in the world to be able to be super successful. But he does not want to do the hard work. He does not like calling expires and physicals. And it's a low hanging fruit. And so it's in every marketplace. I've never, and I mean this, never have I seen an agent that's exploded to. Not that everybody should have this goal, but I've never seen anyone that's blown up their business to you know 100 plus transactions, 200, 300, 500, ever that didn't make those calls themselves. And you, know, okay. you can do that. Stop,
1: stop right there. So
2: Jay, stop right okay. there.
1: But that's really yep. important. Listeners, listen to what he just said. That's so freaking important. I love the fact that he said that. And neither have I, by the way. You'll never find anybody yeah, exactly. who's successful, who doesn't actually work the damn phones, period, full stop. Right. right. That's and, it.
2: And here's the reason why. It's something that it, there's, it, and I don't know that we ever will, right? Like, you know, there, even if you come into the business and you have a ton of money to invest to do marketing, the chops that you get by making those calls and getting paid. It's all about the experience of being face to face with 30 people that don't really want to list their house with you. The things that you learn, the skills that you learn during that period of time. And you really probably only need the number that I came up with is like at 15, you get a lot of confidence at 30, you feel unstoppable. That's kind of like just do it till you get to that number and then you'll see how much money you're making from it. And you would never stop doing it anyway. It's one of the highest dollar production activities you could ever do. And so that is a prerequisite to, you know, to, in my, in my mind, I feel like most agents don't really ever make a breakthrough of 30 to 50 transactions until they do that. Um, and then once they do that, the next level is, you know, to start learning how to turn advertising in, you know, with their own money and, and learn how to, you know, to become kind of the go-to agent in the marketplace. That's been the strategy that we've used for, for the years that we've been coaching agents.
1: So one of the things that I admire most about you is that you had a big team and you are willing to admit how the profitability of most big teams sucks. Um, Pat Hyman also <laughs> said that in his book. You say it, and I. And just, everybody knows it's true. That's ever done it before. And and so right. I, again, if you want to debate this, we can. But you no, uh, you know here's
2: they, the only the only caveat is <laughs> San Diego. Okay.
1: Okay. You oh, still five okay.
2: Million.
1: Well, yeah, God, that yeah definitely it helps. I mean, if you have, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but look, guys, here's the thing. Yep, and, and Jay, let's again. I'd like to have, find something we don't agree on. It would be fun. Know, so I know, far, we're I I'm looking for it, brother. Right. Right. Okay. All right. So, if here's a little analogy. When we have people call us, and I know you do too, all the time, who are asking, I want to form a big team. I always ask why. And they're like, what? What the hell? Isn't that what I'm supposed to be doing? <laughs> I thought that's what I was supposed to be doing. I'm on this holy grail. I'm supposed to be walking to Mecca. And Mecca is where I have my big team. And I explained to them, what is your goal? Why did you get into real estate? Yeah. Well, they want you know, to make a lot of money. Okay, well look, you can form a big team. And probably after enough time, you will have kick-ass revenue. You could have a ton of people that you call your team members. People will kiss your ass. You'll have all the awards. You know, you'll be on stage. You will be somebody who people look up to, but your net's probably going to suck. And it's not yep. just it, – it, it is a statistical fact. And mm-hmm. when people realize this is when the cash flow slows down, when the market mm-hmm. starts to pivot like it is now. And then all of a sudden, the lead, this 10 buyer's agents they have, they can no longer buy the leads. They're not as efficient as they thought they were. They're realizing that those – you know, all, these, all of a sudden the net goes from less than 10% that's what most teams are making. Not my statistic, but statistics from other people. Less than ten percent. Now it goes down to five percent. And then you have a couple of crappy months and then you're eating into your own savings. And then you're rationalizing. Yeah. I'm gonna feed my business from borrowing money and then you're bankrupt. And that happens that's happened in I, I mean, Jay and I have been in business about the same was, amount of time. Three cycles I've seen I'm, that happen.
2: I can tell you I can I can tell you exactly how it happened to me. I mean it's the exact same thing that happened to me and and it took. Keep in mind, I mean, and and my story was it was painful. I mean, it was real painful because we were coaching agents. We had a coaching business. We were writing checks to to that company to get it going, and um, we had we, we had a ton of different things that went wrong. It was all of our eggs were in one basket of real estate. You know, rental properties, flipping properties, developing, building. I mean, we had everything going. So when it was all said and done, and the dust finally settled, and I took my head out of the sand to look at the damages, I was six hundred and I want to say thirty something thousand dollars in debt. Bad debt, not good debt. And I was, le- I was leveraged to the hill and there was nothing I could do about it. And I rode that thing all the way down and I said, I'll never forget. There's one thing I'll never forget. Cut deeper and cut faster. That was where i that was the mistake I made. I tried to outwork it. I tried to get up at 430 and outwork it. And there's no outworking a downturn, not like what we saw in 07 and 08. Um, it was a tremendous ass whooping. I, I tell, you know, the, I tell people that it was so bad, I canceled my net <laughs> Okay? think about that for a second. Like, how bad does shit got to be for you to cancel a Netflix? You know what I mean? That, that's how bad it was. I canceled my Netflix. It was a, it was the worst thing. I mean, you couldn't have you couldn't have tattooed on my mind the lessons that I learned during that time. And, and I'm sure my dad told me, and everybody else told me, but I learned those lessons. Uh, lessons of uh, lessons of bought or lessons taught.
1: Alright, so I'm going to remind all of you, you want to text the word EXP to 31996. Go ahead and do that now, and you'll be uh, texted back a link for a 7-minute video that answers all your questions about EXP. So go ahead and do that now, text the word EXP to 31996, takes 2 seconds, and uh, yeah, we'll text you back with the video, you can just watch it and uh, have all your questions answered. I hope people are listening out there, because here's what's going to happen. Uh, you're going to discover this podcast in about a year and you're going to be listening back and you're going to be going, holy shit, I wish I would have listened to that a year earlier because I now have this team that I'm having to – that is is literally draining the life out of me and I've been on this primrose path to forming this team because I thought I was going to real estate mecca where I'd have this big team and everyone would be working for me and I have leverage and bullshit, 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 okay? Then you hear from someone like Jay and dozens of other people have experienced the same thing and they think – so you individual agent listening now who are thinking about forming your team, you have to understand that what you're going to be sacrificing in exchange for not working directly with buyers and sellers is running an adult daycare. I don't care what your Mm -hmm. team culture is, and you're also Mm -hmm. going to be running (laughs) much smaller margins, okay? That's what's going to happen. 99.9% of you are better off if you only have you focusing on primarily on going after listings and then maybe two or three assistants. And your buyer yep. leads, after you get your listing count up and you keep it consistent, refer those things off for 30 or 35% to individual agents who just love, love, love working buyers. There are always going to be buyers in there. You get your nights, you get your weekends, you get con- consistent cash flow. Realize that if your goal from getting into real estate was to make a profit, the team model has proven and is proving Not to be that path to profitability in terms of being able to, you know, build actual net worth. And that's a good pivot, right? So how do you, when you have these agents come to you, they always like, like, you know, when you get these calls, it's like, Tim, I've got this team. I heard you and Jay on uh, on this podcast, you know, and God, you're speaking right to me. This is exactly what they say. I need your help.
2: Right,
1: you're speaking right to my heart. I need you to tell me how I can get the hell out of this team thing and get back to the point where I'm not lying to my wife or my husband about how much money we're losing in the business. So when you get calls like that, what do you tell
2: them? Um, I mean, it's a, it's a strategic, you know, planning, you know, doing the right things in the right order. The, the reality is for most of the, for most people that get into this and they're not making money, they're just not doing the dollar producing activities. And the minute they go back to doing the things that got them where they were at in the first place, they, they, they turn the ship around. And you know, the, the thing that, I try to explain to people and I, and the year that I did 233 transactions, I had three assistants and no buyer's agents. I didn't know anything about that until I went to Craig Proctor, learned about the whole team. Then I built my business up to 500 plus deals and not to, not to slam Craig, but they used to tell me until you sell as many homes as Craig, you just do what he did. Well, I did that. And then I got, I got to the point where I was at negative 3% profit. I said, okay, well, something's got to change because this shit ain't working. So, you know, that was, you know, my lesson learned. I said, well, now I'm not selling you, Craig, so maybe y'all should start looking at what, you know, what we need to do to be more profitable. And that was kind of how our relationship ended. (laughs) But, um, and nothing, you know, again, not to say that you can't help you grow a business, but it's like you said a minute ago, it comes down to what are your profit margins? Like, what is your actual money you're taking home? It ain't about, like, people get caught up in transactions and these awards and all this stuff. It's so, it is so, so terrible. Like, I mean, I've seen so many people's P&Ls and it's just not, you know, and, and, and where it really hurts is, because you're going to get thrown back in the business anyways. As soon as your top agent, one or two agents leave you, and you and you didn't have a recruiting system in place, and now you're trying to, you know, replace them, you're focused. You're, you shift your focus to, instead of doing dollar-producing activities, most people, if they if they hire a buyer agent before they get to 100 transactions, they, are, they just created a new job. They didn't have a hiring process. They didn't have an onboarding process. They didn't have an ongoing training regimen, and they just put themselves in those three jobs uh, for, uh, for an agent to be successful. And it, like you said, it's an adult daycare. You hire one, then you hire three. And next thing you know, you know, you're not do- you're not making your calls like you used to. You're not doing the things that are face to face with, you know, clients and you're giving away half the money. And that's really where, you know, where everything starts to break down is when you give away half of the margin on a deal that you could have done, um, you know, there's just, you know, you're just going to not be profitable. You're just not going to be as profitable.
1: And you start telling yourself, well, I want to work on helping my agents become better agents. You start actually saying some serious brainwashed bullshit about what your uh-huh. mission is. And people – you hear this all the time. I'm going to work – well, I mean, Jay, you look, I'm going to work on my team culture. My job is I want to mentor agents. Brother, you ain't making no money. You're not taking care of your family. You're accumulating debt. You've got no savings. Your kids have holes in their shoes. And you think that your highest and best purpose in your business is to worry about mentoring some damn agent who's basically going to screw you in six months after they leave and do their own thing? I mean, let's just get real. You got in this business to make a profit. You make profit from doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. If you want to be rich, rich comes from having having essentially provided a high level of service to enough people that enough people are willing to pay for. And the definition of rich is where your money works for you and you no longer work for your money. So, mm-hmm. let's pivot okay, so what yeah, was was your pivot. goal and what, what you're welcome, see, I said that shit before, so you know yeah. but um, <laughs> yeah, so when you are when you got into real estate, was your goal just to sell real estate until you were pushing up daisies, or what was it what was your original goal
2: unfortunately, I had no idea I, like i didn't i didn't even I didn't even have goals like when I, my dad passed out this coal Bank, so my dad was yeah he, he got into real estate in nineteen seventy seven the year I was born. So I was kind of born into real estate, but I didn't want to get into it. And then all of a sudden, you know, my job of mowing yards in the summer uh, wasn't paying paying you know a lot of bills. And I saw this guy in the office that he got like a five thousand dollar check, and I was sweating. It was hot, and I was like, "What the hell did he do today?" I want to do some of that, you know, like you know. So I got kind of interested in it. Got my license. My dad sent me to Dale Carnegie. Fortunately, that helped me a lot. And then um I, I saw that there's all this opportunity, but I didn't really know what was possible. I mean, I'm a I'm a I graduated in. The top twenty-five in my class, but there was only thirty-six of us in Walters, Oklahoma. So, like, there, there was, you know, there's, there's not a lot, you know, there's not a lot of like big dream that I had of what I was gonna be able to accomplish. So, I remember writing down my first year's goal was thirty-five thousand dollars. That was my goal, and um, uh, I think I closed twenty-two deals the first year by accident, and I think I took all the crappy listings no one else wanted, uh, REO stuff, and everything else. And then I think you know it started to grow from there pretty quickly, but. Uh, I started figuring out, and I, and I I went to an event, and a guy was uh, – this is funny. He'll appreciate this. So a guy named Roger Butcher. Does that sound familiar?
1: Oh, yeah, man. Now I remember that name forever ago.
2: Yeah. So I went to one of his courses. He's kind of, he was really kind of corny, but he had some really good stuff, and he was talking about for sale by owners, and nobody ever told me about for sale by owners. And I got so excited, I left the class at, for lunch, and I was driving around Norman, which is where the class was. Nobody comes to Lawton. And, uh, and I was driving around, and I called my dad. I said, man, you know about these for sale owners. These people put signs in their yard and they want to sell their house, and no agents are calling them. I'm calling these people up here. I'm going to get referrals. That's how, that's how dumb I was, right? Like I had no idea what I was getting into. But but that's you know that was how you know when I started into real estate, where I was you know um, you know the opportunity was there. I just didn't know what I what was what was possible. So I didn't I didn't have a ten year plan or a twenty year plan. I was young enough that I just didn't think I needed to think about it. I wish I would have had a better plan. It wasn't until a few years later that I started getting into buying investment properties and stuff like that and really focus on trying to build wealth.
1: So I have a great question for you, but before I do, so some of you listening are going to be new agents. You're looking for a roadmap. You're looking for, like, before you really go too far down the real estate rabbit hole and realize that a lot of it is really a bunch of people trying to co-op your own potential. They're trying to essentially get you to believe their dream opposed to you having a formal focus and dream for yourself, which is and should be, being rich where your money works for you, you no longer work for your money. I mean, that is the goal. You should make it so one day you have enough passive income so you no longer have to work anymore. Some of you know that that should be your goal, but as soon as you get your real estate license, everyone's breathing down your back to buy leads or form a team and you're thinking to yourself, well, maybe those are more important goals. And the next thing you know, 20 years have passed and you have no net worth. So before you go down that path, I'm going to give you a quick book, two quick books to uh, consider reading. Actually, I'll give you three. Uh, Fanatical Prospecting by Jeb Blunt. Definitely get that book. Uh, number two, um, oh, profits aren't everything. They're the only thing. It, that is one of my favorite books of all time that you'll never, ever, ever hear a real estate broker or anybody inside the real estate industry ever uh, championing because it's all about making profit, and but it's such a good book. Profits aren't everything; the only thing. And our own book, which is called Harris Rules, and the revised edition is coming out in a new uh, couple of months, so pre-order now on Amazon. All three of those are available on Amazon now, so just hop on over and get those three books. All right, so here's a question I have for you: What are the three biggest things that everyone will be talking about in real estate that maybe, unless you're on operating on your level, but people aren't really very much aware of? They're like what are the three biggest monumental market movers that people are completely underestimating that are going to one hundred percent or at least you know fifty percent change the game in love in ways that people are just not really consciously thinking about How about that mm. for a big lofty question
2: oh three that's a that's a really good one so um I think I think there's there's a large percentage of the the real estate population that are not talking about um, that are not talking about the Zillow the, the Zillow offers program, open door and offer pad, and and I don't know that I would classify that as going to be at least a 50% game changer, but they certainly are coming aggressively at buying properties, and they have you know they they have a business model that allows them to you know, turn turn that money over you know two three times a year. Um, and it, you know, if they're beating the stock market, they're just gonna, you know, they're gonna pour more money into it. Again, I think the market when it shifts, that's gonna be a different story. But I think that's one. I don't know what would you get.
1: What would I say? I agree with you on that one completely. I think what they're gonna do is they're gonna change the consumer's expectation of how. But really, if you look at the model again, just it's worth pointing out that this model is a, a hybrid approach to the guaranteed home sale and what these We Buy Ugly Houses guys have been doing. But the thing right. that people don't understand, mostly real estate agents, is these guys do not have to make – like when Zillow talks about we're going to make ourselves a $20 billion a year company, they're talking about revenue. And agents, I see them grinding away, well, what's your net going to be? What's your net going to be? They don't care. They're not focused on net that because that's not how that business operates. That's a revenue. Their value on the publicly traded markets is based on their revenue. So agents, you don't understand how those guys are operating. So they can um, essentially get into this market without having – they're making like around 10000 If you look at their numbers, they're making around $10,000 per house. Now, they can lose some and gain some plus or minus, but ultimately, where do they capture? They capture the transaction. They capture the mortgage. There is, on average, five times more profit nowadays on a mortgage transaction than there is on a real estate transaction. So there's a great way for them to make money. What do I? And I think that idea is going to be scaled. You're going to, you know, Gary Keller is trying to scale with Keller Williams. I suspect you're going to see a white labeled version that where people can a brokerage or even a small, you know, a, a producing team can offer their own. Uh, I buyer program that's backstopped by, say, some company. You know, there's going to be hybrids yep. that are going to emerge. I'll tell yep. you uh, another little side note, and I know you know a lot of people that do this, Jay, is people that run uh, radio ads. They've pivoted their radio ad to be more aggressive, to sound like the I buyer ads, and they're getting all those I buyer leads. And, uh, you know, so the industry is going to react. The eye buyer momentum's not going to slow, but I doubt if the, uh, the industry is going to be complacent. so I agree with you on that point. I would say yeah. the next big thing that nobody 's talking about that everyone 's underestimating truthfully is uh, exp exp sure. is going to be the single biggest game changer and and again, if you don 't agree let 's debate it. But in my opinion, exp Realty is going to be the single biggest game changer that our industry, at least in my uh, professional career, which is you know basically the same amount of time as yours that it's ever experienced. I don't think there's anything that's come along, not Keller Williams, not Remax, not not any of the technology companies, nothing that's going, not even uh, even to a certain as far as influence on agents. What's good, what benefits agents directly? You know, nothing benefits agents as much as EXP. I've never seen anything like it. It completely blows me away. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah.
2: 100%. it's um it is. It's like it's nothing I've ever seen, it's nothing I ever dreamed. Um, I didn't see it coming. I, I thought that I was paying close attention to what's going on in the industry, and this thing came out of nowhere. And they, they nailed the business model. And, and it's, you, know, you know, I mean, you can't ignore, and this is, this is high-level talk for people that may not be, be thinking this way, but you know something, you know the business model is right when you see the kind of growth you're seeing. There's something right they nailed the business model. Like when you lay, break it down to the principles and you look at the business model of how this company is growing and why it's growing and all the fundamental principles within that model, it is, um, it, it's its hard to ignore how brilliant, um, you know, Glenn Sanford is.
1: Definitely. Well, that, see that – okay, so in a condensed version, we had been um, pursued by eXp for five or six years in one form or another – and just wanted to be on our podcast. They wanted to, you know, let so and so from EXP wanted to be on the podcast, and we always pushed them away. And my mind, and I was 100% wrong, was I was like, oh, I don't want to, ha- no, that's an MLM. Oh, no, I don't like, I don't get the whole virtual campus thing. I had all of this misinformation that I was uh, basing my own decision making. Uh, on which was wrong, and then they invited us to go to a live EXP event that was down somewhere near Austin, and we went, and I had never been to an event before like that real estate wise in terms of how normal agents are benefiting from a business model, from a brokerage model. I've never seen anything like it before. Everyone talks about, oh, I want to be part of this brokerage because of this, that, and the other thing, but really, brokerages for the most part are fungible. They're the same. They offer the same thing. They offer the same benefits to Mm -hmm. the agent. The biggest difference is EXP. And so when you're around a bunch of agents who are benefiting in multiple ways, making money for multiple ways because they're associated with the brokerage, and they're finally feeling financially secure, and you have conversations mm-hmm. with these with people where they have this sense of relief—the monkey that's, that was on their back, that was omnipresent, that was weighing them down—you know—it isn't there anymore. At least it's starting to leave their backs. And when you're around people like that, I don't know—I've never experienced anything like it outside of going to church, which I need to start going to right. again so yep. I can stop swearing. Right. Yes. I mean, so, but right, but as far as EXP goes, like, why would, why does an agent, what are the, what are the obvious benefits to an agent say virtual compared to their current brokerage model? Because again, I think most of the brokerages are virtually the same. Why would someone join EXP? What have, what have you seen from the people you know who you've coached that join EXP?
2: Yeah, the number the number one reason that 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 I see people joining is, a, is alignment. And in all honesty, the business model it, it allowed the kind of alignment for people that are extremely successful real estate agents to now actually focus on helping other people grow their business in ways that we've never been willing to do before because there was no financial alignment. And when you get top talented people to want to help you and to be financially uh, rewarded for helping you grow your business, and really, ultimately, your opportunity at EXP is your also re, your responsibility. So, if I, if I was to sponsor you at EXP, it's, it's my responsibility to help you be successful, and you're also my opportunity. Um, that kind of alignment is what is what I believe is the why all the top producers and all of the top you know, producing teams and all the big independents are coming to EXP is they they there's a revenue opportunity that never existed before. And, and it focuses their time on helping other agents in the company become successful. And that's, you know, I think that's the big piece. So there's, there's a ton of there's, – there's more than that in the, in the model that's, that's making agents come join the company. There's the stock. Obviously, it's a publicly traded company. You get stock awards for doing the things you're already doing. You're going to sell a house every year. You sell a house at EXP, you get some stock. You bring a friend to your company today, you get a, you know, a Starbucks card, you bring an agent to EXP, you get revenue share, and you get some stock. Uh, for when they close their first deal, you, you get your cap, which is a uh, one of the lowest caps, not the lowest, there's always, you know, more people, you know, there's always companies that charge less, but 16,000 is is the cap, which is more than reasonable for the value they provide and, and the technology and everything that comes with it, which we should talk about as well, because I think that's a Definitely. huge thing that keeps people from being successful is they don't have the money to go buy the technology. They need to manage their lead gen and prospecting and everything else. Um, but that's, that's a huge. Um, it's, it's a huge opportunity for someone to. If you're going to be in real estate, I don't know anybody that says they're going to be in real estate less than ten years, and, and most of them longer than that. So if you're going to be in real estate for the next ten years, and you have the ability to earn, and you can earn the sixteen thousand dollars cap that you that you paid in, you can earn that back in stock in the company. Um, you know, and they're just rewarding the agents to help them grow the company, and, um, and, and more than one way that we've never seen done before, right? So it's just something that's hard to compete with if you're in other brokerage, um, and they're able to do it because of the, the unique way that they formed in a, you know, cloud-based brokerage, no different than what you see, um, you know, taking over other industries. They they found a way to disrupt the brokerage industry, and um, and it's it's fascinating, man. Every day I look at them, I'm like, geez, man, he really did figure this out. It really is that brilliant.
1: Well, so I have been interviewing, um, we've been interviewing a lot of, you know, just we do one interview a week, right? And more and more right. of these top producers that I'm interviewing, some of these people I've known is, you know, forever, they're switching over from whatever company they're worth over to DXP. And I always ask them, you know, you are with XYZ real estate company forever. You're known as being the dominant XYZ co- agent in that particular market. Why is it you switch DXP? And they always go back to everything you just said, but the, what they really drilled on on. These are people at the top of the mountain. They drill down on the fact that they can make multiple; it creates multiple sources of income for them. In other words, in essence, they make uh, they're actually making money from being an exp agent. It's not about what they're paying their broker; it's about what their broker pays them. Is that an overstatement? No, it's not at all.
2: Not at all. Um, And it's you know, again, you know, people talk about well, I'm not you know the revenue share thing. You know, I'm not really interested in recruiting and da 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 and and. It really They call it agent attraction for a reason because the minute somebody moves over i don 't care if you 've been in the business at all for very long there 's people that know you and they have respect for you usually right and the bigger you are, the bigger influence you are, the more people that follow you, watch you, and when they see you make the move they 've been thinking about it, but they just they reach out to you and they ask questions and so you know this 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 revenue share thing is really just a natural progression of. You know, mega agents moving over, a lot of people that they have respect for them, reach out to them, they tell them, and they show them the business model that they haven't seen. Everybody thinks they know the model. You guys, if you a 100 agents, if they knew the, the EXC business model, they would all say yes, and they would all be wrong. Even if they watch the video, they're not getting it. They don't understand it. And there's, you know, you have to take the time to research it and really look deep if you want to truly understand what that opportunity is. And I think most people just haven't done that.
1: No, that's true. And a lot of, well, so here's, let's talk about specifically the revenue share. And if you can do it in a form of a story, do you know of anyone you could like? Because I've done a bunch of yeah. interviews, and I could t- kind of tell – they've yeah. told their own stories. But I know you're you know, you're having in your own coaching, you've run across National Association of Real Estate Advisors. You've come across a lot of people that have switched – why are people – talk about yeah. the revenue share. Talk about what you're seeing yeah, people so I experience. Have,
2: I had a guy – so I had a guy um, that called me up, and he would watched one of the interviews I'd done that's on YouTube or whatever. And he said uh, – he goes, his name's Dan Hill's great guy. And – He he said, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, making a move and, you know, just wanted to, you know, understand some more. He had some questions about EXP and this, and the other. And he was asking me a lot of questions about the technology that was being offered because he was paying $1,000 a month at the time for a Commission's Inc. site. And he was wanting to make sure that, you know, I'm going to get something that's, you know, you like what I got. And um, at the time, they were offering Commission's Inc. and and fully supporting that and um, also KV Core, both of them you got when you joined EXP. You got two. Um, Today, I think, I'm not 100% sure, I think they still will offer uh, the SYNC Site, but I don't know if they support it. I know they heavily support the, the KV Core site, but and all, all the same, they're basically all do the same functionality features. You know, features are the same. Um, so, anyways, you know, he was really like he was looking at the thousand bucks he was going to save. That was why he was going to come over. He's like a three million dollar producer, and he said, you know, this revenue share thing sounds really nice, but you know, I'm not real sure about it. And then he kind of got more excited about the revenue share. He called me again a month later, and you know, over the course of a couple months. We talked several times and he finally said, You know what, Jay? I really, I really, you know, I really like you. I think, you know, I think you could help me with my business and I'm pretty sure that I'm going to make a move. So he moves over and, um, and he started asking me more questions about revenue share. Next thing, you know, he said, Hey, man, you know, my broker is a real nice guy, you know, and, and, um, you know, while I'm leaving, you know, I, you know, I kind of want to show him the business model because I think he would be really good if he came over and if he, you know, if he gets it, I said, Well, tell him this. And he told him, You know, hey, you know, I think I'm about leaving. He said, Well, before you leave, you know, at least sleep on it. And he said, "Okay, we'll watch this video and poke some holes in it. Tell me what I'm missing here, all right?" And so the broker watched it. Broker ends up coming with him. He ends up he ends up getting phone calls from all these other agents in the company when he when he left, and he ended up putting them on the phone with me, like one after another. And I, I just we would I would say, watch this video, get on a call with me. And we did that for for weeks for weeks and weeks and weeks at a time. Long story short, short the guy's got I think um, somewhere in his revenue share. Tree, or, you know, somewhere between 75 and 100. I haven't really looked, but you know, that, that's a, a large number of people. He told people, he told people, he told people, and he is ecstatic. He's blown away by, you know, his passive income that's paid, paid for, I'm not going to give exact numbers, but it's paid for all of his personal expenses, his house, his cars, his, his, you, know, his, you know, all of his basic needs are met now in less than a year. And, and not, not because he focused on recruiting, but because he said, hey, yeah, I can put you on the phone with a guy that can help you, you know, help you answer your questions and am I willing to do that all day I would absolutely help them because those people are – I get the revenue share off of them too so it's a it, it's it's unique and everybody that says you know I don't think I'm going to focus on revenue share the minute they get a little bit of revenue share they're like well how do I do some more of this you know you know it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a real it's a promise made and a promise kept by the company it's not like profit share where you don't know if it, if, a, if it's going to be there because you don't know if the if, if the company is going to be profitable, it's revenue share. This is a I tell them this is a deal Mr. Wonderful always does. Okay, if you if you're getting the same deal as Mr. Wonderful, you know you're winning because Mr. Wonderful's deal he'll do anybody a deal where he gets a royalty off the top. You know what I'm saying? And let's let, yep. let's look at who look at let's look at who else is getting revenue share off the top. Hmm, what is that three thousand dollars fee that Gary Keller gets um, off the top of every agent? The hundred and uh, whatever it is, how many over one hundred sixty thousand agents? Half uh, five hundred. What is it, $500 million a year off the top that goes to Gary Keller? Man, kudos to Gary. He's getting revenue share. He's smart. That's, it's a good deal if it comes off the top because you know you're going to get it. And that's what revenue share is at eXp. It's real simple. And the only reason it's even there, like for those that want to talk, call it an MLM, the only reason it's there is because in this model, there's not an actual there's – not, there's not a regional or a, or a franchisee. That is responsible for growing the company. So Glenn had to figure out a way to get uh, agents to want to recruit to the company. Let's just reward these agents for helping us grow the company. Hey, that's a pretty good deal. We all kind of like that. So it's just, you know, it's just a different business model. People are a little bit afraid of it because they maybe don't understand it, but it's, it was brilliant and it's been incredible for a lot of people, including Dan Hilsman, who now is in a place that he, you know, after being in business 15 years, you know, if he wants to go sell real estate, he can, but he doesn't have to.
1: Well, we've had other people we've interviewed, and listeners, you can go back and listen where they're telling their own stories and they're kind of shedding light on how much they're getting from revenue share and he's not understating how amazing some of the and it really I like what you said too. It's really about uh and again, this is the same story I've heard over and over again. Even if it's a normal agent that moves over, someone that's not you know, maybe they're selling 3 million, 4 million, or even 2 million, they're always going to have people ask them uh, questions because everyone seems to be eXp curious, as I like to say. And when they're yeah, eXp yep. curious, yeah, and by the way, listeners, uh, he mentioned the video. If you want to watch this video, I found um, a quick, easy way for you to do it. Just text the word EXP. Exp to three one nine nine six. Uh, there's no way. Not all of you are curious right now about the revenue share. Right. It's, ex- <laughs> right. it's explained partially. All you've got to do is text the word exp to three one nine nine six. So let me ask you a question. Is the revenue yeah. share? This is this is of course what the dissenters say. The revenue share is not sustainable. There's no way it can actually continue. It's a bad business model. There's no way it's actually going to work. This is kind of like you know. This is like a lot of the. The competitors for EXP, the companies that are losing the biggest uh, number of agents to EXP. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to piss in the well. What's the answer to that? Yeah, so,
2: I mean, it, the, the bottom line is, you know, you can look at the cash flow. People want to, you know, I had somebody today ask me, um, they they're at the EXP and they didn't know how to how to handle this objection that somebody said, yeah, well, if you look, the company's not profitable. So, well, that's, you know, maybe look a little bit closer because if you read the 10K, you would understand if you know how to read a 10K that they're actually, they've been, you know, quite successful and profitable than at least the last year in terms of the um, increase in cash to 21 million in the bank. You don't put 21 million in the bank unless you're getting loans, which they have none of, um, or you have um, you have a cash flow positive business. So, you know, I think that's, a, you know, it's, it's kind of an ignorant thing to say when they if you don't understand it and you wanted to say, oh, it's not, it's not sustainable. Well, it's been pretty sustainable. And also, my, by the way, in the fastest growth um, company ever in history, most companies are not profitable at all, and they're not expected to be. But this company has been massively profitable despite that. So, like, when you really unpack it and look at the numbers and look at what's being paid out of revenue share and you look at what the operating costs of the company are, there are a few things that, that are getting tweaked that I know of, and I can't. I don't know if this would be insider trading or not. I just happen to know of things that are going to make the company massively more profitable that are in the works. Um, um, and i I have zero questions as to whether or not it's sustainable or not. The other pieces are we haven't even added mortgage or title to the company's business model. Um, all the other ancillary income streams that you could have as a brokerage, uh, from a coaching, you know, uh, arm or whatever the case may be. There's so many ways that this company can add revenue, um, that it's, it's, it's silly, um, to think that it's not sustainable. It's just, it's ignorant is what it is.
1: So, you and I are not going to certainly talk about share share value or whatnot, but i so I had an interesting call with someone this morning who was just professing up and down that the you know, uh, you know this was this was somebody emailed me, wanted to ask a question, was comparing brokerages and all that, and he had he was with a current company that basically had talking points to talk down exp and it was oh the stock the this and the other thing and i said listen i 'm not smart enough, educated enough, or really uh, you know i don 't have enough experience to be able to tell you. to, To absolutely say what you're saying is true, do you? And, and then he said, well, I mean, do you have a Harvard MBA? Have you studied their K-1? Have you actually talked with someone about studying all their public filings? Have you read all the, you know, all the other things? And he said, no. I said, why don't you do that and do your own homework, opposed to just being brainwashed by somebody who obviously has an right. agenda with you not having an open to EXP. And that's what I told him. And he said he would do it. Man, and he that's, great me back. Well,
2: that's great well, that but That's great Well, but it's the
1: truth, right? You you it. If I hope
2: everybody heard that. Like what you, it is the truth, and it's it, it's it's exactly what it is. It's seeking truth instead of allowing someone to convince you. Us don't don't listen to us. Don't believe us. Do do your own research. Ask questions and seek truth. Right, just seek what what do you think is true. Determine on your own what you think is true. And I think that's that's the best advice you could ever give someone because you don't want to just believe us because we're excited about it. What if we were wrong? You don't want to believe just like you don't want to believe somebody who's trying to poo poo on it because they, they want you to stay
1: where you're at or they have an agenda or a reason why they don't want
2: you to you know to. to They're trying to, to, to play into your feet. fear,
1: basically. They're trying to play into your fear. And it gets it right. gets back to why you originally got into business. And, you know, actually, Jay, this is a good pivot. You mentioned rental properties. You mentioned buying rental properties. Julie and I certainly you know bought a ton of rental properties. If you had (laughs) – I'll be interested in what you say about this. If you knew about EXP when you first got your license, okay, and you had the opportunity to build your brokerage around all the revenue-creating streams that EXP has created for you, created for agents in general, would you have been that gung-ho buying rental properties? No. And down. Hell no. How about that? And (laughs) down.
2: No. No, my – I have, I have horror story rental property stories for days. And, you know, I've never, I, I've never in any month, I've, and again, I bought them all in Lotton, Oklahoma, which is part of the problem. There's just not an appreciation there and the market's just not that great for rental property. But, you know, I mean, it's, you know, there's never a positive number. I mean, it, for as long as I've been doing it and as much of them were paid off, I, I never could turn a month where things were just massively profitable with my rental property. Um, and I was accelerating the, you know, paying down the debt, but it was, um, it was not a giant wealth creator for me. And, um, you know, I would never, I, I probably would not, have, I know, I know I wouldn't, I'm not, I know I wouldn't,
1: have. there's just no way. Um,
2: so yeah, okay, I, I, let I, me I put numbers, here.
1: let me put numbers to it. And I shared this before, but this is really true. So Julie and I have been buying rental. We've been married for almost 30 years this year. We've been buying been buying rental properties for the last almost 30 years. Okay. We bought our first house when we were still in college. So if you want to buy a rental property now, we have them in North Carolina, Nevada, Ohio, uh, Texas. So if you want to buy a rental property now, listeners, just listen to me. You can crash the numbers and try to spreadsheet me wrong to your blue in the face, but here's the bottom <laughs> line. To buy, to buy a nice rental property in a nice area, it's going to cost you about 175 grand in most of the country. After you pay it off, if you're writing a check, which... None of you are, but if you were to, because now you're going to say, well, Tim, I want leverage. I want all that. Well, then my numbers aren't going to work for you because you're not going to have any profit. But let's assume you're writing a check for 175 grand. After you pay all the associated costs with having that property, with what rents are in most of the United States right now, you're going to net around 850 to $900 a month. So on that hundred and seventy five grand, assuming it's rented, assuming there are no repairs, assuming the tenant pays, assuming all the other things that go with it, you that's what you're gonna make about nine hundred dollars a month. So for nine hundred times twelve, Jay, what is that? ten thousand eight hundred dollars. So you're gonna have yep. to for, for you to make ten thousand dollars, eight hundred about uh, eleven grand a year, best case scenario, it's gonna take you one hundred and seventy hundred and seventy five how long is it gonna take for you to buy enough of those rental properties to make it so that you have enough passive income so that your passive income is producing enough uh, revenue so that you no longer have to work. Remember the definition of rich, guys, and use this because it makes life easier, is where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. So if you have enough passive income coming in every month that you don't have to go out and hunt for, you are technically rich. Okay. So buying the rental properties, which is the normal path that, you know, poor and moderately poor people take to try to accumulate wealth in this country, aside from a rich uncle dying, that's pretty much the, you know, the surefire path forward. If you put pen to paper and you figure out how many rental properties you'll actually need for you to make it so you're living off the positive cash flow from those rental properties, I promise you, for most of you, it's going to be about three times as many as you think when you factor in all the you know the crap that Jay alluded to, the vacancies, the damn. I'm, Julie and I are coming home from dinner the other day, and she, we had this nice little conversation. I see her checking her phone, and somebody basically said their basement flooded, and God knows what else happened. And there went the evening. I mean, you know, six thousand dollars worth of repairs Correct. that we weren't expecting. It's like yay, you know. Yeah. I mean, so this is so the income spokes that that. Exp creates for an agent. Can We talk about that. The ways that exp let, pays let me, agents. Let me
2: give, let me give like, the context to what what you're saying there, so they can truly understand the math. Thank you, if sir. If you it, let's say if it's twenty, let's say you let's say so basically that's a thousand dollars of a thousand dollars a month, and if you can live off of um, if you bought ten houses, you're living off of ten thousand dollars a month. But you need one point seven five million dollars worth of worth of uh, after tax cash to pay off those properties. You know, if you're going to finance it, you're, we're going to zero you out. You ain't making any profit. Okay, so this ain't going to work for you if you think that's right. the way you're going to get there. But if you, if you, if you truly had, um, you know, the 1.75, and I think most of us would say, well, I need to live on at least 20000 which would be 20 properties you need. That's $3.5 million. How much real estate do you have to have to net after tax $3.5 million after your living experience expenses? Do the math on how many years that's going to be from now. When I did the math on this, and I did for myself before I moved to EXP, because I looked at the company that I had that was doing $10 million a year and netting $1.5 million, split that between me and Mike, do the math, I'm living on, you know, I'm basically after taxed 450000 uh, in income, and I live on whatever I live on, and I have that much whatever's left to invest, how many years would it take me? And when I did the math, what I accomplished in six months at EXP um, would have taken me 24 years to do if I just continuing down the path I was on if I wasn't open-minded and looked at it. That was, the, that was the true math. That's when I realized, holy moly, there's nothing in the world like this.
1: Well, a 1,000%, but here's what I also take into consideration, and it honestly does make me feel sort of emotional to say this. But I think about all the time and all the effort that Julie and I put into buying our dozens of rental properties – the money that we had to earn, the extra bullshit we had to put up with. It, guys, it's not just everyone talks about the clogged toilets and all that. No, it's about the money that you had to earn in the first place to buy them. Oh, the tenant paid them off. If that's the model you're following, you're never going to make cash flow from them. You're following a fake model. Oh, it'll be paid off by the time I retire. Well, okay, if that's it, if you basically want to work until you're you know 70 years old and you think you're going to want to manage 10 properties, then I kind of doubt it, but whatever. So the thing that's about eXp, and this is the reason uh, we haven't even talked about number three, but this is the reason I think it's the most influential, important, uh, under-talked about, going to be the most explosive thing in the history of agents, because it really benefits individual agents. Everybody, every broker I've ever coached for, ever spoken to, ever, ever, has always said, oh, we're in the agent business. No, not really. You're not in the agent business. That's not really true. If you're in the agent business, wouldn't you have formed a model like EXP, where you were actually right. trying to help them have a financial future? That's not you're not in the EXP is in the agent business. I mean, Gary Keller, again, I think one of the you know most just amazing person. He's no longer in the real estate business. In his own words, he's in the technology business. Yep. You know the yep. the industry the industry has shifted. Listeners, and I know a lot of you guys are like going to be fighting us, looking, oh, Tim and Jay have a hidden agenda, and we have all these other things. Look, do your own damn homework. Do your own research, and ask where you – look, Jay's 43. I'm 49. Ask yourself where you want to be when you're 10 years younger than Jay or when right. you're my age or you're five years older than me. Ask yourself how, given your existing tools, are you going to get to the point where you're financially free? How are you going to do it? You're not going to be able to buy enough rental properties. You're not going to be able to get them cash flowed. You're not going to find a home run on a multifamily. You're not going to – look, there is no big eagle that ever flies over and drops enough money on your backyard that you don't have to work anymore. That just doesn't happen. So if you're going to deal with reality, you have to look – this is the reason I'm excited about this model, because it really does help agents in such a profound way because it gives them something that most agents never have, which is a true north star in how to create financial independence. That to me is unbelievably exciting. How about you? It
2: it's and it's so early, right? Like it's such a big opportunity that I just can't believe more people don't see it. I just it blows my mind that people just go back to their regular selling houses and don't even think about it. The ones, the few that do, the people that get it, you get it. You, you get you, you the insomnia, and you can't stop thinking about it. You, know you, you keep like, it in your head. You know,
1: can't get it out because once you you, saw, yeah. you said this, Jay. I heard you say that. Once yeah. you see it, you can't unsee it. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it, That's it, the it can, truth. Because you, because you, if you take the time to do the research, which
2: you did and I did, and anybody who is is serious about the rest of their life and what, how they want to spend it. Um, Their time, effort, and energy. Um, they do the. They do the. They do the homework. And if you do it, you're gonna have a hard time sleeping until you get to talk to someone like us to help you get you know get clear on how to take advantage of it.
1: I know what you're thinking. You're very curious, especially now that you're learning more about the revenue share model that EXP offers. Go ahead and text the word EXP to 31996. Just go ahead and do that now. Just text the word EXP to 31996. And we'll text you back a quick video that explains everything you need to know about EXP in just a quick seven-minute video. And we'll also give you access to having additional questions answered. So while you're thinking about it, go ahead and text the word EXP to 31996. Do that now, EXP31996. Text the word EXP to 31996. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a hard question, okay? You knew about this as long as I did. You've known about EXP for as long as I did. You only really started to show to get involved uh, about a year ago. Why did you delay? You must have been a skeptic. You must have been ignoring it. Yeah. Why is it that it took you so long to come around?
2: So, so um, a couple of reasons. The, the first person that introduced me to it um, had zero. Uh, he had just zero influence, and and I just I, I passed it off as it. It was not. It, it was nothing. I never heard of it at all. The one thing that I did walk away thinking was this guy was so excited about his stock that he was showing me on his phone and that I I I said you have to whatever business model we move forward with have to have ownership. That was my big takeaway from the from the conversation. I did not even look at the business model. I, my takeaway was just the importance of having ownership and how that guy was a raving fan of the company over over some stock. And so that was my one takeaway. Then Six months later, um, actually Chris Waters, who's a, a, a former client of ours and Austin, Texas, number one agent in Austin, he's a beast, um, great guy, and he sends me a recording of him. Um, and actually, I think it was Glenn Sanford and I think the CFO and a few other people, and he was looking at the model and he forwarded it to me because of the business model we had as a brokerage. He thought that that would be something that you know we might be able to take and you know and kind of swipe and deploy into our model. So I listened to it. And I was like, I knew I saw something, but the timing wasn't right. I was in the middle of, we were doing partner. We had partners in Atlanta and in Dallas, and we were growing quickly with our business. And so I I, I knew there was something there, but I didn't really, I just wasn't ready to look at it closer. I wish I had been uh, willing to do that, but I just didn't. And so the next time it came along, it was our number one client that was not going to be, you know, that was moving in a different direction than partnering with us with our model. It was one of our, my best friends and, and favorite people. And he said, man, I think you need to look at this. He's like, I'm going to probably move to XT. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pretty convinced. I want you to poke holes in it. Once you look at it, I was like, all right, I'll poke holes in this. You, you got it. You, you want me to poke holes in it? I'm going to poke holes in it. So then I really listened. I mean, I really, I listened twice as hard to that webinar. And, and I said, if these things are true, and these people are real, and this is real. These, I mean, like, it's these people are real. Like, I, I had to believe in the leadership in the company. I had to believe that they had the capacity to build what they were, you know, tracking to be building, because there was only, like, 4,000-something agents um, whenever I was introduced to it at this level. And so, I, you know, I had to believe in it. And um, once, I met, once I met everyone in the company, and I realized, holy moly, these – they have, a, they have, they have it. They got what it takes. They've got the right people around them. They've got the right infrastructure, the right business model, and and I, I you know, it was, just, it was just we had to make it happen at that point. It was, but, but I think it was my, it was partially my ego and my belief that I could be successful on my own that kept me from looking at it.
1: Saying, That's you know, it fast. for me right there. That was it for me right, right. there. It was, that's right. it right there. You just said, it. it was my ego. I didn't want to actually yep. believe that they come up with something that was just so, I don't, it was just, it's the same screwed up thinking you had, my friend. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Right there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Watch that
2: ego. It'll get you. It'll get you. Yeah.
1: But, even but when that, you think you,
2: it's a testament yeah. to, it's a testament to how, you know, um, we, we, we all have had to grow to a certain point, but it takes a lot for you when you're running a very successful business at a very high level to, to, be able to be open-minded enough to say, let me look at this with an open mind, which both of us had to do. And so, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm proud of myself at a certain degree that I didn't, you know, my, I didn't let the ego get the best of me. Um, but it did take, you know, some, uh, you know, the I think that the good Lord must have been looking over me at, at some level for me to be at the right time in the right place to be willing to look at it. And um, I, I, it was the best decision I've made in, in business, that's for sure.
1: Well, you know what's crazy about it is that they I think right now the report came out that they're closing in on twenty thousand agents. Um the biggest they're like what, the fourth or fifth largest brokerage in the world. Correct me if you know anything seems yep. to be wrong with what I'm saying. I mean I don't know all this. And uh it's the fastest growing brokerage in the history of the world basically. And you said it earlier, that many people I mean obviously the model's proven itself out. Um, they have yet to exploit all the other parallels they get into, international, mortgage, all the other different mm-hmm. ways the company can make money, which bodes well for the value of the stock, but you and I are certainly not predictors of that. Right, so right. here's another interesting little question I get, So, or I've seen people debating. What is the value? Like, What does someone lose by not having a physical location? Do, bro- do, do consumers care if you don't have a physical office? Does it matter if yeah. it's a virtual brokerage? No, and no, the consumer doesn't care at all.
2: They, they, just like don't no. care if there's balloons on your sign or if it's red or if it's blue or if it's gold. <laughs> the consumer doesn't care. The consumer doesn't care at all. They care about nope. you being able to deliver on the promise you're making to help them with the buying
1: or selling. Yeah, that's it. That's the bottom line. All right, so is, is EXP a good fit for new agents? Say someone's just getting their license.
2: Yeah, there's, um, there's, a, there's a couple, and yes, yes and no. I would say, yes, if you are a self-starter and you're willing to open your emails, go into the training, you know, um, do the things that are necessary for you to learn, the, the things that you need to learn. And I do think there's one other thing that's an important ingredient, in, and, and, you know, they have a great mentor program at EXP that yeah. I think is extremely valuable. Um, actually, as I went through, like, because I, I, my son, he got in, you know, he went through this mentor program. Um, and it was really good. Like, I thought I had a pretty good program for, like, new agents on our team and stuff like that, and as I was reading through it, I was like, man, this is really thorough. Um, so I think there's a really good um, mentor program in place that will help agents um, to onboard, but it's going to be dependent upon that mentor too. And so, you know, if you if you have a good mentor, I think it's going to be a good experience for you. If you have a mentor that's not so good, it could be difficult. But that goes both ways, right? You know, part of the process and that the way they measure this, which I was super – Excited about how smart they are when they put this together. It's kind of like Uber—you can rate the driver or you can rate the rider, right? Well, you can rate the mentor, but you can also rate the agent because if the agent doesn't show up and they're not doing their part and not doing the things that are being asked of them, then yeah, they're going to be unsuccessful, just like eighty percent of all real estate agents to get in the business. But I don't think E X T is going to change the fact that eight out of ten real estate agents get get into business are going to get out of the business in the first year. Um, that's you know that's going to be. Um, a difficult thing to fix in my opinion. And I don't know that that's going to ever, well, ever that's an case.
1: industry-wide statistic. Let's, you, you said right. that quick. I, and I actually wrote this down. I was going to say this earlier. Actually, I'm hoping you know this statistic so I don't have to Google it. But I think it was a NARS statistic that said in two years, 80% of all the houses sold will be sold by people who have yet to get their real estate licenses. I don't remember yeah. if it's two years or if it's three years. That's the part I'm sketchy on. But I do remember the yeah. 80, 80% part. So that's an important statistic for people to remember and I'll say right. it again again don't hold if i'm wrong about the 2 years so what it still makes the point in 2 years right. 80% of all the houses will be sold by people who have yet to get their real estate licenses. I heard a great podcast today, Listen listened to Joe Rogan, and they were talking about yeah. the fact that um, you know all this automation and this AI is going to make a bunch of people lose jobs, and, they other, and they're da da Well, guess where those people are largely going to go? A lot of them are going to get real estate licenses. So yep, for yep. you to think, for anyone to not see the tremendous opportunity that isn't real, so you all probably do see that, that being an agent is probably the best opportunity that there is available Unless you have a bunch of startup money, unless you want to, you know, buy a Chick-fil-A or something crazy like that, which, you know, I don't know why you'd want to compared to selling real estate. But if you combine that with being an EXP agent, and you look at the different ways that they pay you versus your, you know, what you pay your broker, that really does change the, the game plan. So you can make money selling real estate, you make money hypothetically off the stock, you make money off hypothetically off the rev share. If you hit icon status, they you don't actually you get your stock, back, you get your your uh, cap back in the form of uh, EXP stock. I mean, and, and they support you so much through the technology. Like if you go down the checklist of what it would be to create the perfect brokerage. You said this earlier. I mean, Glenn literally must have had a checklist. <laughs> and he must have said, right. okay, got that one done, got that one done. There's there's no real comparables. There's no other brokerage out there that's offering. Here's, here's another thing I hear sometimes. When So we get, Jay, the number one question, number two maybe we get from our podcast because it's got so many listeners is we get, what brokerage should I choose or when do I know it's time to ch- uh, change brokerages? And I know you've talked a lot about that. But I'm curious, when you have someone who's asking you what brokerage they should consider and you're telling them EXP, but they're in a part of the country where there's not a lot of EXP agents yet, what do you tell them? How can they get their minds around the fact that they don't see outside of their own little world and the fact that there's not EXP hasn't really hit their market yet? How do you help those people to see the opportunity?
2: Right. Yeah. I think, um, I think for a a lot of people in those, in that scenario, it's an, it's a huge opportunity. And if, if they're, Mm -hmm. if they're not an, if they're an influencer, it's a huge opportunity. And I, I, you know, I treat that with, um, the utmost urgency because, you know, if you're the first in a marketplace and it's small and there's not anybody that's an influencer to join, and there's a very few of those markets left. But if there is, it's a huge thing because everybody knows about it, and they're just waiting for that one person they have respect for to join. And then it's, it's like a snowball going down the hill after that. So, like, that's a huge opportunity. If you're a newer agent in that marketplace, you know, I don't think it necessarily matters as much. Um, you know, you obviously have the ability. But if you're a newer agent, you're probably not going to go out and recruit a bunch of influencers um, right out of the gate. So I don't think it necessarily matters. Um, it doesn't matter to the consumer. And so it doesn't, you know, the systems that EXP has is going to train you or it's not going to train you. And, you know, either you have a good mentor that you, you know, have um, that can help you um, or you don't. And I think you want to make that decision based on, you know, um, feeling comfortable with, you know, the people that are going to be supporting you as far
1: as uh, your mentor and their upline. I think that's an important consideration. Well, and also they have, you know – you. Let's just be a little self-serving here, Mr. Kinder. I mean, you don't have – you can join, you know, our coaching program or Jay's national – tell them, you know, tell them about the website and whatnot. So, you guys, you can get education outside of X P. but the reality of it is, is that for those of you getting started, um, there is a ton of information that's available on their website and their virtual campus and all of that. And it just – look, I'm going to go back to what Jay and I were in such adamant agreement about it a second ago – Set aside what you hear from us. Set aside even that you feel excited and motivated by what we're talking about, as I know you do. Set aside what you did hear or didn't hear, or did watch on YouTube, or didn't hear from. It doesn't matter. Do your own research. You cannot rely on other people to make decisions for you. This is too important of a decision. This is too critical. This is your future. This is your family's future. And look, Jay said it right. This is this company is just getting started, which goes back to the reason why I think it's the second biggest, most influential thing ever uh, that's mm-hmm. going to be what everyone's talking about in 12 months, but everyone should be talking about now. So the easy button way for you to learn more about this company, your first step, is just text the word EXP to 31996. Jay, do you have another little bit of time so we can talk about maybe what number three is as far as the biggest thing yeah. that everyone's going to be underestimating? Okay. I sure do. Yep. Okay. I, I have a, this is on everyone's mind, and I have opinions on this, and I'm sure you do too. So, what I know mean, we talked about Zillow's getting into the iBuyer space. We touched on the whole iBuyer thing as point number one, how it's going to sort of transform the expectations that consumers have for agents and the services we offer. I think that's largely true. What do you think Zillow's next move is? Where do you think Zillow is going to be? Like, where is it that they're going to be in 12 months that people are underestimating or maybe overestimating?
2: Yeah so yeah great question and and I know a couple of agents that that landed the account of Zillow moving into um new markets like in Florida I know who who landed mo- most of the big cities in Florida I don't know if they're going to take over all of them and and the, I know what the margins are on that opportunity and what they're paying and and, and what they're offering the
1: agent that's going to be helping Can you talk can you tell share the numbers um, if you can I, I
2: think I can Um, they're offering basically a thousand dollars when zillow makes the purchase they're offering um, to pay one percent on the relist of those properties which is going to really help the um, agent build a huge presence in the marketplace because they're talking about buying a thousand homes in florida next year which is a small piece of the pie when you really think about all the homes that are going to sell in florida but um, but the, it's an aggressive move, and the and the reason that they're wanting to work with a real estate agent, my perspective, is because they they don't know that their data analyst got it right. Which I can tell you from experience, I can go look at the Zillow price of my house and tell you that they're going to fuck this up if they, just, if they don't have somebody in the marketplace helping them. So there's an opportunity there for that agent. But think of how small that is. You get a thousand bucks on the purchase, and there's not much margin in that in terms of the per you know the person's in pay for um, and they're doing thousands of CMAs on top of all of that just to get offers out it's, there. It's the REO comparable. model. That's what it is, right?
1: This, exactly. It's what the REO is. model. Yeah. I mean, yep, basically, exactly the bank—they're—they're they're copying what the banks did basically back in the in the in the foreclosure crisis. Exactly what Jay is describing is exactly what they're they're mimicking with how they're basically – And actually, the banks paid more than the thousand dollars per unit. The banks actually. Yep. i I didn't know the commission. I didn't know the fee was that low. Holy crap! Mm.
2: Right. So on the purchase, there's not a whole lot to do, um, but but you have all the you know all of the CMAs and everything you got to do on all these properties, and they're trying to figure out okay if it's close enough within this margin of what we think it is and what you think it is, then you know there's probably some type of grade that you get for getting that right, um, and then you know they make they make the purchase and then they relist it. You get to use your brand and it's going to have some type of a Zillow sign in the yard, and then, you know they've done this in Vegas already and a couple other markets. Mm-hmm. So that's going to continue. To, that's going to continue to happen. I, you know, I've always, I've always questioned. I'd love to hear your perspective on this because, you know, I, I've always heard, and and now that we've got, uh, you know, the the founder back in the driver's seat, there, um, you know, you know, I wouldn't, you know, you know, we know what he did with Expedia. I don't think he really cares about real estate agents, and I feel like in his oh, last, no. you know, his last, uh, his last hell conversation, uh, publicly was pretty, uh, pretty clear that he's coming, at, he's coming at us for our money,
1: um, <laughs> which well, I've been saying that's all
2: along was going to happen. Yeah.
1: Totally. I but, mean, but well, what, So, right? so
2: do, you, what do you? So do you think? So, so the argument that people used to always tell me was, well, Zillow, Zillow's valuation is based on which, is, you know, it's based on it being a media company, which is kind of kind of funny, anyways, because they never could figure out how to monetize the leads. That's really what their problem was, uh, different than anybody else. But you know, they, you know, now they've got this huge revenue stream that you know, seems to be like the, the, the you know the, the big golden egg for them in buying in buying these properties, and that's where they're going to make money. Um, I you know th- I see them getting into real estate. A lot of people say they wouldn't because it would kill their valuation. What's your opinion on that?
1: Um, so I think that they know they never. Well, I know this for I know this from conversations I had uh, years ago before Spencer was named the CEO. By the way, Spencer had to have been the best CEO, one of the best CEOs in the history of real estate, because he was so good at working amongst the different factions that were in real estate. The guy was just. I mean, there it is. But I remember talking with him, and he, he, back when he was talking to me, he actually gave me the suggestion that we should refer to our coaching company as a media company, which is interesting. It's Immediate syndication were his exact words, which, you know, was interesting for the sake of getting a good valuation. At the time, we were thinking about selling our company, which we never did. But back to your point, they never intended to get into the selling leads business. The selling leads business was the backup to the backup. The original business plan is what you're seeing now. They just didn't have the mechanism to actually get into it. And now that they do – they are absolutely have in the word and you'll remember this word, Jay, back from the nineties, is disintermediation. Everyone write that down mm-hmm. and if you have a, if you you know, et- etymologize that thing to bits and you'll soon discover that disintermediation means that you're gonna remove the middleman. All of the people mm-hmm. that are involved in Zillow are only interested in disintermediation and that's what they're going to do. When you hear somebody listing a house for a thousand bucks, do you think over time, listeners, that a thousand dollars is going to increase with inflation or decrease because we're always going to be able to say, if you piss us off, we're going to give that account to somebody else. Or if you piss us off, we're going to split your account and give it to five different people. So what you're going to see is that fee is going to get driven down and drown and down. And that brokerage that took these accounts who's sitting on the top of the mountain right now, thinking he's got the world by the short and and curlies, is going to realize that he's been reduced to, do you want fries with that? That's what I think. Mm -hmm. Now, how yep. is the industry going to compete against that business model? We are going to have to become very good at mimicking what the customer reacts to as far as the value proposition that all these iBuyer type companies offer. Okay, we're going to have to be very adept at knowing how to compete against it, but we're also going to have to offer something similar. The smart movers are already doing that. What influence yep. will Zillow's new strategy have? It really is going to be interesting to me to see how many consumers are willing to sell their houses for on average of 17% less than what they can get on the open market. There are always going to be people like – I mean I, I have personally never sold – and I've never sold a personal house that we lived in while it was for sale. That would be a nightmare for me, and I know it's a nightmare for every consumer. So is the convenience mm-hmm. fee of selling your house and having a predictable move out, is it worth 20% less? Now, it's worth 20% less in the parts of the country where people have 20% equity. Oh, there's something that people aren't talking about. It's worth 20% less if you basically have enough money in other buckets and other pockets that you won't miss that money that you're otherwise losing. So let's say arguably you're not losing 20%. Let's say your actual net versus had you listed the house in the open market is maybe 10% less. But if you're selling a $60,000 house, is the convenience worth $60,000, a $600,000 house? I don't think so. If you're selling a $350,000, so I don't think, I mean, how hard is it to get price reductions? Go to your $350,000 seller and tell them you want to reduce the price by 35 grand and see what happens. <laughs>
2: Right, right. So I'm not sure how
1: big of a I'm not sure how big of a market they actually have, and especially if the housing market starts to level off, appreciation starts to slow down, people become a little bit more sketchy about all the their finances. People are going to be less likely to be willing to pay for the convenience of not having to house their house on the open market. I think that's the bottom line. That's what they're offering yep. is just convenience. Yep. It's like wholesaling your car versus basically, you know, putting it on consignment someplace or trying to sell it yourself. I mean, that's my, that's yep. my perspective on the whole thing.
2: Yep, 100%. That's, it's great. I think, that's, I think it's great. I think you're spot on. The interesting thing about about this model is they're, they're, there's there's, room, there's not much room for them to make mistakes. So they come in and they make this <laughs> offer really convenient, really fast which is is what every consumer wants, right? Like if you tell me you'll buy my car for this price, you can tell me a price over the phone. I don't have to talk to you. I don't have to hang with you, and you're just going to give it to me online. I'd like to know what that number is. And if I like that first number, I might engage with that. And they're smart enough to know that if they give you a good first number, then um, they're at least going to engage in a conversation. Where they have the opportunity to become the go-to brand is if they nail that customer experience. If they nail it, they it was exactly what they said it was, it, they did exactly what they promised, but when the market shifts, what's going to happen is they're going to put all these little fail states into that model to make sure that they have a way out or a way to you know make a lower offer based on inspection, which they already have these thing clauses in the contract and they're using them now. So it's always a lot less than what they promised. Um, and if they're you know if they mess that consumer experience up, they're dead. If they get it right, then you know then they're going to win. That's that's going to really be what it boils down to. If they nail that consumer experience with expectation, promise made, promise kept. Um, then it you know, there's there's an opportunity for them uh but they aren't you
1: know, to survive. Right, but they aren't. Right, they aren't. And, and and like there was a great article on Inman recently on how uh, Yelp no longer features any of the iBuyer reviews. And there were some su- uh, suggestions. Teak wrote that great article. There, there was a little bit insider, you know, handshaking going on because so and so was on so and so's board and Yelp had some. Da-da-da-da. Read the article yourself. It was a great article. Sure. Yeah. Teak is my favorite author, favorite writer at Inman. But aside from that, so the Yelp reviews for all these iBuyer companies were so scathing. That the rumor is that there were some inside you know deals made where the Yelp reviews for all these companies got pulled down, and what jay's is saying is really the bottom line, so for our industry our industry has to be here's here's where we're here's where our industry is wrong, not seeing that the consumer was willing to pay that convenience fee that 's what I like to call it because it 's easy to understand mm-hmm. it that way, not seeing that they were willing to sell it for less and not offering that first. But do you really think the industry is not going to react? Well, they are reacting, and let's see what happens from it. From an individual's practitioner's perspective, how do you compete with an iBuyer company? You have to understand that ultimately what that consumer is paying for is that convenience, and the way for you to sell around that is maybe you have to mimic what they're doing. How can you do that? You get some investors that are willing to buy the house for the same price. As what Zillow is willing to offer, uh, that's not hard. In any marketplace in the country, you can go to an investor Bob and offer to sell him a house at you know a 10 or 15 percent discount, and he's going to buy it. You just make an agreement that when he puts it back for sale, you list it with him. Maybe you take no right. commission on it. You just get it on the up leg. I mean, there's ways we can compete if we're not complacent and lazy. But Zillow knows that the industry is complacent and lazy. Because we've been stupid enough to give them our listing so that they can then sell the listing leads back to us, and you know the, the industry has proven its willingness to be dumb and complacent or and complicit in its own destruction. So that's the part right. of that uh, that whole thing that gets me a little bit nervous. Will the um, industry no, actually? Yeah. yeah, I mean that's it. Amazingly survived as long as we have doing the things we've been doing. The, right. <laughs> Hey man, We're listen. Down. We went o- way over time. Is there anything you'd like to say to all the listeners out there? You look, I I really do. I, every time I talk to you, Jay, I love it. I just I love it. It's so Same much here. fun. Yeah, but yeah. Absolutely. We have a great time yeah, together. Yeah, can do,
2: we should do this once a
1: week. It's great. Yeah, man. Why love don't we? No, look, all,
2: I'm all I am down. Is, I think you said it best, man. You said it. You said it best. I think what you said, uh, you know, do your research. You know, like that's the, the bottom line. If you do your research and, and come to your own conclusions, ask questions. Um, get on the phone with people like you and me, and people that are, are are not, you know, that will give you honest answers uh, to your questions. I think you'll you'll find that um, yeah, there's an opportunity here for you to do something pretty special.
1: Yeah, definitely. And you would then have a future that's not necessarily on the same path that you're on now. That's it. Do your own homework. Text the word EXP to 31996. Text the word EXP to 31996. Hey Jay, I do believe this is my longest interview ever, and I don't think any of it was boring. So I appreciate that. <laughs> right on, man. Anytime. Hey, have a fantastic day, everyone. And uh look, if you need, uh, if you want to reach out to Jay directly, Jay, do you mind giving your cell phone number?
2: Yeah, no, you can reach out to me directly at five eight zero five nine one six four zero four. You can go to com and you can uh, schedule a call with me.
1: That's right. And listeners, if you want to watch the video that we are talking about, just a seven-minute video, just text the word EXP to three one nine nine six, and you literally will be texted a link to watch the video. No strings attached completely from the safety of your own mobile phone nobody breathing down your back that's a great place for you to get your start your research so text the word exp to 31996 mr kinder as always man god bless you and, and thank you for being my co-host today Hey, right i'm here man take care tim
0: this program has been a presentation by tim and julie harris real estate coaching for more information on our real estate coaching and training programs